Welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. The Disability Management Employer Coalition, or DMEC as we're known by most people, provides focused education, knowledge, and networking opportunities for absence and disability management professionals. DMEC has become a leading voice in the industry and represents more than 16,000 professionals from organizations of all sizes across the United States and Canada. This podcast series will focus on industry perspectives and provide the opportunity to delve more deeply into issues that affect DMEC members and the community as a whole. We're thrilled to have you with us and hope you will visit us at dmec.org to get a full picture of what we have to offer, from webinars and publications to conferences, certifications, and much more. Let's get started and meet the people behind the processes. Hello, and welcome to Absence Management Perspectives, a DMEC podcast. I'm Heather Grimshaw, Communications Manager for DMEC. I'm here today with Terry Rhodes, Chief Executive Officer for DMEC, who has more than 30 years of experience in the absence management industry. Terry is going to facilitate our conversation about paid family leave and paid family and medical leave with two knowledgeable guests who will provide industry as well as employer-specific perspectives on this important issue. Terry writes about paid family leave, what we'll refer to as PFL at times, and paid family medical leave, what we might refer to as PFML, in her Trends article series, which you can find on the DMEC website. We've also included a direct link to the article in the notes section of this podcast. Terry is going to provide some context for this complex issue and introduce our guests. Terry, I'm going to hand things over to you to get us started. Thank you, Heather, and thank you for listening in today to this podcast, wherever you are. We're here to talk about PFML. Certainly, this is top of mind for most employers these days. PFML popularity and focus stems from the basic fundamental need. It's difficult to take time off utilizing unpaid leave because employees rely on paychecks for survival. And unpaid programs like the federal FMLA do not provide leave for all workers due to eligibility requirements. Today, we see a clear demand and momentum for passing paid family leave and paid family and medical leave laws across the country in states, cities, and some counties. More than 30 states have passed bills relating to PFL and PFML in some way, shape, or form. 10 states have enacted PFL programs and three have passed laws that are not effective yet, including the most recent in Delaware. However, because of the patchwork of these laws, there's disparity in eligibility, percentage of pay, the definition of family members, the amount of time employees can take, and what is protected during the leave. And the challenge we find is how do we do this right? So we're gonna dig a little deeper today into these issues. And joining me is Jessica Bolar, who is the product manager for The Standard, and Gina Stringer, who is the director of integrated absence at Walmart. So let's jump in. What are some of the biggest issues 
facing employers when it comes to statutory paid family leave today? And what do you expect to see six months from now or a year from now? So Jessica, I'd like you to kick us off here and provide us some industry perspectives. Absolutely. You know, thanks for having me. So when it comes to paid family medical leave, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a crystal ball um, to know what's truly going to take place. Um, and it is a massive space with a lot of tentacles. Um, but really right now, you know, and I think in the next six months, um, a lot of employers are kind of consistently in a state of a little bit of overwhelm. Um, you know, we did a national survey here at the Standard that indicated 60% of employers didn't feel very well prepared to administer new state mandated leave programs. So, you know, employers are really asking the questions about how does this impact my benefit processes? What are the steps for providing a PFML program? And how does it integrate with our other benefit programs in place? And also, of course, how do I explain to my employees what they're responsible for and eligible for? So I think in the next six months, you know, I really expect to see employers face a lot of the same challenges that is really consistent and constant. And I think the primary one is remaining compliant with these evolving state by state legislation. Uh, you know, each program has annual updates that are typically communicated towards the middle to the end of Q3 and Q4. Uh, we've got two new PFML programs that have contribution collection going live 1-1 in Colorado and in Oregon. And these programs aren't just applicable to employers who lo are located within the state. You know, it's really where their employee is working. And they all require assessment of an employer's handbooks and processes really to ensure that they're not in conflict uh, as well as, you know, their benefit programs too. So understanding when these programs and their rules apply to an employer's population is really important. Um, you know, and as is reviewing their benefit programs, not only from the interplay that PFML can have, but also as it relates to employers' desire to really remain competitive in employee retention and traction. And so I think over the next six months, making sure we're focusing on that is really imperative. Um, and then, you know, another fun thing to keep in mind uh, beyond the next six months and well, really inclusive of the next six months also is that there's a new legislative session that's going to be beginning in January, and it's really going to be interesting to see over the next six months what campaign promises are made related to paid leave programs for states and what laws might start getting formed when the session reopens, when you talked about patchwork of programs across state. And I think um, what's really uh, adding to this level of complexity is that it's expanded for those that are multi-state employer and those employers who might not consider themselves to be multi-state. However, with this new expectation of, you know, an expanded access to talent with that workplace flexibility and remote options, I mean, this complexity applies to a lot more employers than you would initially think. Well, my head is swimming. So <laughs> now we're going to move in and talk with Gina and she's going to weigh in from a large employer Walmart perspective. Thank you, Terry. Both yourself and Jessica have already touched on some of the very issues that are facing employers today. So before I directly answer the question, I would like to share just a little bit about how we look at our absence management program here at Walmart. Now, we really look at it as a program that is, exists to support both of our associates and our business um, and to ensure that we provide the right benefits that's focused on our associates' total health and well-being, both of the associate and their family. 
That goal is really just to promote a productive and engaged workforce that's focused on serving our customers. So when we look at designing and delivering our programs, we do so guided by some principles that are centered on the associate experience, the simplification, and then digitalization through technology. You know, we, like many other national employers, already voluntarily offer generous paid leave benefits. And those benefits may or may not align with the government PFML or PFL benefits. So complexities come into play when determining how to administrate statutory paid family leave alongside our own paid leave benefits in a manner that's focused on the experience, equity as much as possible across the nation, and that's simple to both utilize and administer using technology. And as we all know, and we've talked about here this morning, statutory PFML is anything but simple. So when you look at the question of what are our biggest issues through our guiding principles, I would say it's experience, administration, and technology. So if we take that one piece at a time and look at it from an associate experience perspective, often the state regulations do not align to FEMLA nor our company's definitions, durations, or job protection, nor even pay replacement. And that really results in a patchwork of just different standards across the benefit plans. Not only is that administratively complex, which I will talk about next, but more importantly, it can result in confusion for the associate who needs the time away, as well as their HR representative or their manager, who's both working to support their associate while serving the customer and balancing out their operational needs. When you look at just the high-level overview of the claims process, Associates in statutory states are contacting the state, their employer, and maybe their employer's administrator, all for the same leave time. Pay may be received from both the state as well as from Walmart. And then, of course, FMLA plays a factor as it relates to job protection. So that one associate may have job protection duration varying depending on their FMLA eligibility, state, and then our Walmart protections. The associates also required to submit the, either the same or similar medical certification to multiple entities, again, to support that same time away. So simplifying the associate experience is challenging as the gaps in these patchwork of the multiple state, county, and city regulations, which employers face on top of their offered programs, makes it difficult to communicate clearly to associates about their available benefits in a way that allows for them to understand their benefit along with when and who to contact for what. Additionally, for associates with friends or family who work on border towns of states or local governments that offer PFML, or maybe who don't offer PFML, the difference in benefits can seem unfair. For example, an associate who lives in Washington with generous state benefits has family or friends in Idaho. Maybe both associates are pregnant. The associate in Washington will have both state benefits as well as our employer benefit, which we coordinate, while the associate in Idaho is eligible only for our employer benefit. It's nearly impossible for large national employers to offer one universal plan across the myriad of state programs with significant differences in the key components that make up a PFML program. And then administration. You know, looking at administration and how to simplify marrying the paid leave policies to our statutory PFML policies is complex. So within the states or local governments who have adopted PFML, there is the variation and the broadening of the definitions of those key components. 
For example, we've seen the reasons for leave and relationships for which leave can be taken continue to expand from the need to take care for self to family members and now to persons unrelated, but that which the employee identifies with as a close family member. Job protection varies depending on the reason for leave along with the large variance in duration. And then within duration, we're now seeing some states provide additional weeks on top of their standard maximum if additional time is needed for specific reasons. Maximum benefit amounts vary greatly and we're seeing the trend of increasing maximum benefit amounts. And then other layers of complexity come into play when the states allow for associates to opt in or out of benefits. With COVID, we saw a shift in some segments of the population working remotely, which can bring challenges to determine where an associate works and how states define that. Our administrators are constantly reviewing feedback from associates, HR, and their own colleagues and looking for opportunities to simplify the processes and practices, all with the goal of simplifying administration to drive consistency and benefits across all of our associate base. And then finally, you have technology. You know, technology and analytics capabilities of employers, carriers, administrators, and other vendors, as well as states and local governments, have historically lagged in the absence management space for a variety of reasons. In recent years, there have been a number of improvements in this space, but there's room for advancement in order to improve the experience for the associate employer administrator, as well as the state. We see disparate technology from state to state makes it a challenging experience. So some states have more robust technology than others. And additionally, some states now use third parties such as traditional administrators. And thinking about ways to streamline, kind of pie in the sky, so to speak, what would it look like if upon filing with the employer or the administrator, that employer or administrator in turn were able to file with the state via API or file feeds on behalf of the associate? And what if all parties were able to leverage the same medical certification, only reaching out for additional certification on an as-needed basis, eliminating those multiple touch points by the associate? That would make a difference in the life of that associate to file with one entity. You know, six months or a year from now, we expect to see the continued expansion of STAT benefits with additional states adopting PFML, continued broadening and expanding of eligibility, the reasons for time away from work, increased benefit amounts and durations, which is going to require even more purposeful balancing of providing time away while maintaining operational effectiveness so as not to negatively impact the morale of those left behind in working. As Jessica mentioned, we also suspect we will continue to see reintroduction of federal proposals, which adds in a whole other layer of challenges. At Walmart, I do feel fortunate that we've got a robust corporate affairs and legal team that helps us stay on top of those changes. Our absence management team also has a dedicated team to leave, disability, and accommodations. And for smaller multi-state employers without those same resources available, that's a lot to stay on top of. Wow. Gina, you've done an excellent job uh, laying out the analysis that went into play and also the work that's being done at Walmart. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about uh, or we, we hadn't talked about in, you know, five years ago was equity and fairness. And when it comes to PFML, equity and fairness issues are influencing employer policies. And we've seen that more in the last couple of years. 
Jessica, you and your colleagues did a really nice job talking holistically about this issue during the 2022 DMEC FMLA ADA Employer Compliance Conference. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I was hoping that you could elaborate on some of the tactical ways employers can address this issue. Uh, you're absolutely right. This has changed a lot over the last two years. And we're now participating in a benefit with PFML that with some caveats, you know, virtually everyone is eligible for while those traditional employer provided benefits have had, you know, a specific population requirements such as minimum hours worked um, per week in order to qualify. And so, you know, as we've talked about and Gina's touched on, it's it's more important now than ever for employers to ensure that their benefits are fair and that they're accessible across the entire population. Not all employees, however, <clears throat> have access to programs like PFML, and those that do are paying a large bulk of the contribution share. So we're seeing employers assessing their population as a whole uh, with all benefits in mind to really determine things like, where could they maybe expand this benefit to those that they'd not traditionally have considered benefit eligible to provide further equity. So for those long-term disability programs, life programs, health insurance programs. Um, now that you have individuals that are qualifying at this very low level for paid family medical leave to take time off to care for those needs that they have, does it really continue to make sense that they don't qualify for those other benefits? If we have a population that you know benefits from employer paid disability programs and a population that's now subject to PFML, employers are taking a look at and should take a look at, you know, how can they potentially adjust those contribution levels that they're providing to make the contribution output um, equal uh, between the two and fair for who holds what. As we know, employer-sponsored benefits uh, are more traditionally employer paid. Um, and with PFML, of course, there is a employer component that they do contribute towards that, but it's largely held by the employee. And so while an employer may look at these two benefit programs, say maybe between STD and an individual going out on, on a disability and someone with PFML, Yes, they do cover a lot of the same things, right, in terms of being able to take care of yourself, but who's paying for that benefit? And how is that fair if we've got populations that are really maybe reaping a full benefit from an employer paying the full um, contribution level? And then also, I think another really big important aspect to look at is how they can make that income replacement being received across different populations equal uh, relative to that income level. You know, as the way PFML programs are really structured, higher wage earners are gonna see a disparity in the percentage of their income replaced. So I think there's some opportunities for employers to look at their um, supplemental programs in terms of what do you allow for to be used in terms of supplementing an individual's income up to 100% or up to an, a, a fair and equitable portion that would be equal across other populations. Um, and especially, of course, we don't want to look at in, from a, an employee perspective, requiring them to use maybe their sick time or their vacation time in order to receive that fair compensation across all levels. So does it look like maybe an employer assessing a different supplemental bank that is only applicable to these medical programs when, or paid family leave programs when someone goes out to help make that income replacement fair across the board and not really penalize an individual to, and having to use their vacation or sick time because we want to encourage the usage of this for employees to take care of themselves, right? And we don't want to penalize them with having to feel like they can't then later take a vacation. 
PFML, you know, in addition to the past two years, what we've all experienced, um, employees are really becoming vocal um, about their needs. And it's really provided, in my opinion, an opportunity here for employers and our wonderful HR professionals to really open up their total benefit packages and assess them from an entirely new lens with that fresh set of eyes and the clear understanding that employees consider this aspect of employment just as important as their salary. And they're, they're really willing to look for an employer whose attention to these programs really fits that need. Thank you, Jessica. Some really great information there on tactical issues and tactical ways that employers can address equity. I'd like to kind of move into how Walmart is working to ensure equity and fairness across its employee groups in states that have statutory programs and those that don't. Sure. One way we do this is to offer the same benefits across all eligible populations, regardless of whether the associate lives in a state with or without statutory PFML. So, for example, looking at an associate who becomes a new parent, regardless of if the new parent who meets eligibility lives in a statutory state or not, we offer our parental leave benefit to both we may administer that differently, but if eligible, both associates are entitled to receive the same company benefit, meaning we ensure each associate will receive up to 100% of their Walmart benefits, whether that's solely provided by Walmart or coordinating that with their state benefit. Our parental benefit is offered to both birth parents and non-birth parents and applies to associates who have become parents through birth, adoption, or foster care placement. And then if both parents work for Walmart, we allow both to take the full benefit duration without splitting any of their FMLA time or their parental time. That leaves them to be able to decide how best to support their family. In addition, new parents can choose within the first 12 months of birth when to take their parental time after birth, adoption, or foster care. And then, you know, if an associate exhausts all of their paid time or if maybe they're ineligible for paid time, we also have the opportunity to request unpaid time for up to 52 weeks in a leave year. And that is for all of our associates. Thank you, Gina, for taking us through the evaluation process for how Walmart ensures the equity and fairness across employee groups. And again, this is a topic that has really come to the forefront in the uh, last couple of years. And as absence professionals, we've not really had to deal with this issue too much. And so, you know, it's something I think that corporate benefits has struggled with in terms of health plans and um, other benefit offerings. But in the absence field, this equity and fairness is new for us. And um, I think it's an important issue. And, you know, of course, when we step back and think about it, we're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why don't we have the same benefits for all groups of employees. Um, and, you know, maybe it is time to take a look at that. So I'd like to now switch gears and talk a little bit about short-term disability um, and how the management of this is an insurance product. And of course, unless you're self-funded as an employer, um, how PFML affects insurance of short-term disability. And we're 
we're seeing that carriers are starting to package some of the short-term disability and PFML uh, together. And I'd like to hear your perspectives on whether this makes things easier for employers. And Jessica, you made a comment during the compliance conference presentation about ethos and the importance of organizations aligning their benefit packages. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I know, absolutely. Uh, this is a really important time for employers to, you know, explore the, what their mission and goals are and, and how and what benefits they provide to their employees and really work to, you know, as much as possible as they're assessing their plans, circle back to, you know, that conversation and question of, does this meet what our goals and intentions are? You know, benefits aren't just something that you provide to check off a box anymore. They really need and should be tied back to what your ethos is and match as much as possible what your employees want from their benefits. You know, an employer's culture is very much a part of what attracts and retains employees. And, ensuring that that is represented in a circular manner through the benefits that are made available to an employee is really a crucial aspect of that. You know, we've all heard that phrase, you know, work-life balance or been told to take the time we need to take care of ourselves. But do you as an employer walk that talk? You know, I think we touched on and Gina touched on making sure that if you have the time to take off, that's great. But having that financial security is going to allow you to feel comfortable and truly use that benefit, right? Um, and there, of course, are some areas that an employer just can't financially, or maybe it just doesn't make sense holistically to address, you know, what might be a perceived need. And that's okay. But um, how you handle that reality is really imperative to helping foster continued loyalty. You know, being transparent and communicating about what you can and can't provide and why um, you know, and also providing opportunity for your employees to be heard as a part of the process is really important. As you touched on, these PFML products are really starting to impact other benefits that have been traditionally available. Talk about what's happening with that. Talk about why. Talk about what's changing to your STD program and how that's adjusted so that employees don't just feel like it's, you know, maybe a bait and switch just because they don't have the context. Um, providing them that context helps them feel engaged and involved and understand what's available to them. And I think it's really important for employers as a part of this, you know, conversation of um, adjusting your benefits or assessing your, adjusting your assessment, I should say, of your benefits towards um, making sure they hit with your ethos and your goals and your cultural goals is your employees are really your number one asset, right? To identifying what the employee wants. Um, it's it's literally your employees. And so asking them and then also utilizing those metrics that you have towards your benefit packages are in place to really identify those wins and misses, it's going to open doors for areas of opportunity um, and identify what you might need to adjust with that STD package, et cetera. And so I think with as, as it relates to um, the comment that I had made in terms of like the ethos and the importance of organizations aligning their benefit packages, over the last two years, I've just become really encouraged um, by how much I've seen employers use these past two years to shift and evaluate their goals and how they really truly tie the betterment of not only an employee's professional life, 
but truly their personal life into these goals. That is so important, uh, Jessica, and, and such a good point that you made there, um, you know, with the, the work-life balance and the personal life and the work. And, you know, we saw quite a bit of blurring of that when we were all sheltered in place and working Absolutely. from home. And there was not really any demarcation of work exactly. and life. And so I think now that you know, we've gone through, I think the worst part of it, hopefully fingers crossed that we've learned from it and we can now see how important that is. You know, Gina, I know we've talked a lot about recruitment and retention, and I'd like you to share the history of Walmart's PFL program and how the program um, has impacted recruitment and retention. Sure. So our paid maternity and parental benefits have evolved over time to meet the needs of our associates. You know, we agree with Jessica's statement. We know that investing in our associates allows them to better focus on themselves and then also taking care of our customers. So in January of 2018, um, we had expanded our paid parental leave policy from two weeks to a full six weeks of job protected paid parental leave for all of our eligible full-time hourly and salaried associates. Again, that applied to you know, dads, non-birth parents, adoptive parents in the US. Um, it allows the new parents to support and care for their family when they need to most. During that time, we also expanded our short-term disability plan for birth parents to recover from the process of giving birth from the standard six to eight weeks up to 10 weeks. So birth parents receive up to 10 weeks of protected paid time away at 100% of their average weekly pay. Even if the associate may have used all of their available FMLA or in the, earlier in the year, that paid maternity time is still job protected. In 2019, again, based on associate feedback, we made changes to the usage of our paid family care benefit to the eligible populations by allowing that time to be taken in one-day increments. We know that parental benefits and other family leaves, allowing associates to take care of their families is of utmost importance to prospective associates. They are specifically interested in what the duration and the pay replacement is, and at times they may make employment decisions based on which employer is offering the most generous package. Can you tell me how you assess the success of your programs? Sure. So at Walmart, we've, we've created a culture that's supportive of that desire to care for one's family. So when we look at success, we look at it in metrics, but we also look at it as the ease in which associates are able to access and then understand taking their leave, as well as the usage. So are they actually taking it? And, and we know that prior to the changes that we just talked about um, in 2018, the birth parents were taking on average their six to eight weeks of disability. And we know that they're taking on average now that 10 weeks of disability plus their six weeks of parental. So we know they're taking their full 16 weeks of time away. When you look at what they have offered from an STD maternity and a parental benefit. So that really supports that our associates are utilizing the benefits to the fullest duration while they're receiving that pay to support them while they're off of work caring for their family. And the same goes for the non-birth parent benefits. They're taking on average the full six weeks of parental time, and that's true whether they've become a parent through adoption 
or through birth. And we've seen associates utilize their parental time in various ways. So for instance, if both spouses work for Walmart, we've seen both take it at the same time. Or maybe one parent takes their full time first, followed by the next parent, resulting in extending the child's time at home. We've seen males utilize their parental leave at almost the same duration as women. So we also know that most of our eligible associates on a paid family care leave also require it for the full duration of pay, which just again supports that it's a valuable benefit that's needed. Thank you, Gina. And Jessica, I have one last question for you. And, um, you know, we've heard about the process and analysis and implementation work that was done by Walmart and their great benefits. And, you know, there might be people thinking, oh, but that's Walmart. They're a large employer. They can do that. But are you seeing similar analysis and implementation done by employers of all sizes? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think that... Uh size um, dictates the necessity nor the uh, ability to do this. All employees are looking for this kind of access. And I think all employers out there, regardless of size, really want to provide the best benefit for an employee so that they can have that full circle um, support from a professional uh, basis to a personal basis. We know that employees are more loyal when they feel fully supported in all of their life needs and smaller and mid-size employers definitely understand this. And so I think regardless of size, we've had a number of employers coming to us seeking consultation and information on how they can expand their programs, how they can implement that. What can they do to serve a population that they feel is underserved? And are they maybe the, are they for sure the only population that's underserved? And, and what does that look like? Um, and so I think it's a really big um, opportunity for all employer sizes to foster an environment of loyalty and a culture that really invests in its employees. I really appreciate it hearing that, and I'm sure the audience does as well. I wanted to thank both of you for your time today. We could go on and on about this topic. It's so important today and top of mind for many, many employers. And I think at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Heather to wrap us up. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, I've really appreciated this opportunity to listen in and taken away so many wonderful uh, next steps for employers and really appreciated the comment that both Jessica as well as Gina made about the opportunity to reevaluate and explore how benefits support and align with an employer's mission and vision. So as complex as this issue is, it sounds like there's some opportunities there, which is always nice. So thank you all for this great conversation. And thank you for joining us for this podcast.